This is an ABC podcast. Can you be more Pacific? With Sarah and Dean on ABC Radio Australia. And welcome to another episode of Can You Be More Pacific? My name is Sarah and I can't believe we're here. It's basically Christmas time, so I just want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas. to everyone. My name's Dan Hallitow and yes, we've had a great year, but we wrap things up today with an interview from Kennedy Cherrington. Uh, we look back at one of our favourite, you can ask that, questions about belonging. We've got an island time report from Peter Pasol on the ground in PNG. And also we dig into one of our favourite parts of the show, Sarah's story time. And this story's a cracker. <laughs> Can't wait to listen to this one. <laughs> How's that. your week been? Um, it's been really good. Look, to be honest, I'm butthurt, literally. I um, went and bought a skateboard a couple of weeks ago and I have been riding it a fair bit. And um, on the weekend, I fell off my skateboard and not once, but twice. Um, and I did have a crowd around me. So it was really hard to pick myself up off the ground again. Um, but as a, as a great reminder of it, my glute, I believe is broken. <laughs> my right glute to be specific for anyone that cares. What kind of stack was it? Was it like something got stuck under the wheel? Like, you know, like a, there's a, like a rock and you hit yeah. a rock on the wheel and you fall over or you just like unbalanced? No, yeah. Unbalanced. Like to be fair, like I can, when I'm, when I'm in motion and I'm, I'm cruising, like I look like an Olympian. Yeah. Um, but basically I came off because I'd stopped, like, you know, how you like kind of drag your foot to come to a stop. And then it just slipped under me. Like as I was like trying to take my foot off, the board just like proper slipped under me. And you know how people make that, you know, that noise, that exact noise. Yeah. And I saw I just like, did it thinking about it. Sorry. Yeah. And it happened and I was, I was really embarrassed. So yeah. Um, other than being butt hurt. <laughs> As long as you dusted yourself off, you got back up and got back on the board. And that's exactly what I've done. I've dusted myself off and I've started again and week's been great. And yeah, I've just, you know, I've really had to dial it back because my glutes really affecting my day-to-day life at the moment. Like I normally love to go for a run, but I had to go for like a really humble walk, slow jog. With limp. Yeah. So it was fabulous. Can you be more Pacific on ABC Radio Australia and ABC Sport Digital Radio? Time on Can You Be More Pacific? Today we're really lucky. We're joined by Kennedy Charrington. She represented New South Wales in the recent State of Origin clash. She also is one of the first five signings for the Parramatta Eels and we're so excited to have her on air with us today. Kennedy, how are you? Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. (laughs) No, we're so stoked to have you on. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Kennedy, we, we like to kick things off with uh, a little segment we call Tip On, which we ask you some quick-fire questions, uh, and we want you to answer as quickly as you can the first thing that pops into your mind. So are you ready to do that? Yes, we does. <laughs> Let's go for it. So which is better, the book or the movie? Movie. What have you been reading, watching, or listening to lately? Um, the Good Doctor on Netflix. <laughs> what was your first concert? Uh, Ed Sheeran. Who was your most annoying teammate? Um, probably 
Oh my gosh. Um, when I was in rugby, Sarah Nagama. <laughs> I believe you. Yes. Do you have a hidden talent? Um, I can untangle anything, like um, as in like earphones, necklaces. Yeah, oh, I, I've talent. got the same talent, so I like that. That's good. It's not about yes. you, Dean. Sorry. What's your go-to karaoke <laughs> song? Um, anything Mariah Carey or Whitney Houston. Oh, yes, nice. Yeah. Scale of one to ten, how good are you at keeping secrets? Yeah, minus one. <laughs> what was <laughs> What was your favorite movie as a kid? Um, Harry Potter series. Cool. What's something that you could eat for a week straight? Spaghetti bolognese. Ooh. And favorite place you've traveled to? Um, the Bahamas. Cool. Hey, Kenny had some really good answers in there, but the one where you said <laughs> I was the most annoying teammate. Rude. <laughs> nah, that's a bit banter. <laughs> and I, think I love you, it. I think you're the first one to get through all, all questions in our quick fire. Like, that's good. Yeah. That meant you well, actually you followed the instructions. Wrong, Very good. Now we always ask we always ask everyone to go back to their karaoke songs and and give us a couple of lines from say MC or Whitney something. What's your favourite song? <clears throat> you know I don't even I don't even remember. It's just like and uh, no. They'll always love you. Oh my god! I sound yeah, very nice. Shut up, Dean. Anywho, yeah. Kenny, you nailed that. Um, we are so intrigued to know more about you. You have such um, a great sporting resume, particularly um, considering your age. You are only 22 years old. I guess let's take it right back <laughs> to the beginning. How did you get involved in sport? Um, so probably when I was younger, I've been playing um, league since I was 10, but rewind before that. It was probably netball my whole life. Um, my parents tried getting me into rugby league when I was like young, young, like I think four. And I just wanted to play in the sand. So they were like, oh, yep, she's not a rugby player. Um, <laughs> so, you know, played netball and then um, moved to Perth back from like, because um, I was born in Sydney, uh, relocated for my dad's job. And um, my brother was um, playing rugby league and it didn't clash with netball because over there they actually play club rugby on a Sunday. So mm. I played netball on a Saturday and club rugby on a Sunday. So um, I was able to do both and um, as a little 10-year-old. So we were a very sporting family. So it kind of kicked off them from there in Perth, Western Australia. So from there, just, um, you know, I made a few rep teams for WA um, right until I was 12. And then I was deemed too old, you know, as with the, um, you know, the girls not being able to play contact after under 12s. And then it kind of just um, I was a bit lost. So I had to play Oz tag back to netball, and I was too young to play like um, any women's rugby league. And then, you know, with the recent 2016 gold medal boom that happened with women's rugby sevens, kind of jumped on that little wave there um, with, you know, high school rugby sevens. So I jumped on there. And then I was fortunate enough to make my first Australian, uh, junior Australian team in 2017 to go to the Bahamas um, for the 2017 Youth Commonwealth Games. And then pretty much since there, it's kind of been a really quick four or five years of all these achievements. It's been kind of cool. <laughs> well, as says just mentioned before, you're only 22. It sounds like you've done a lot in, in uh, such a short amount of time. Uh, you mentioned your family. You've got a, a family of, of athletes, it sounds like. Are they a huge influence? Tell us about your family and, and how much of an influence they've had on your, your own sport. Um, well, I'm the oldest of four, so definitely have to set the standards <laughs> and the expectations. <laughs> but 
now nah, they, they keep me on my toes. I have um, two younger brothers and one younger sister, so they're their own. Um, they're athlete, and I don't like to be that uh, sibling, you know, where they're in their own, when they're in the, my shadow type thing. Yeah. But if you know my family, you know that we're all <laughs> very strong individuals, very competitive, and um, we hate being compared to each other. So I think for me, I just um, like to set the expectation and they can do whatever they like and follow on if you want. And if you want to be your own person, we'll be your own person. So I think my family is very supportive and um, credit to my parents for having us at a young age and probably copping a bit of slack back then, but um, they kept us grounded and I'm really, really proud of my siblings, Um, you know, um, yeah, coming to the pathways themselves, so grateful. (laughs) Do do you compete at everything at home? Because I know that all the competitive families I know, they're just everything's a competition around the house. (laughs) Oh, no, yeah, 100%. Sibling rivalry is next level. It's probably worse than your normal, like, Queensland, New South Wales. Like, sibling rivalry tops the charts. You know, it's just like, who can do the dishes faster? Who can, you know, um, just just stuff like that. Like, it's crazy. But, no, we definitely, you know, many, many um, run it straight challenges and stuff like that. So, I I actually know Kennedy and her siblings personally and can attest to every single thing she's saying. Her and particularly her younger brother, Winnie Arta, they compete at everything. Everything. It's actually, it's actually lovely in a very weird way. Um, Kennedy, just going back. um, So you obviously came over here to Sydney, um, started playing football. You told us as you did, you got your foot in with the Aussie Sevens program. um, And then you transitioned to the 15s format. Do you want to talk us through a little bit of that? Yes, so, um, uh, so guys, I was actually born in Sydney and then I went to Perth and came back. So people were like, how are you origin eligible? Well, that's that. Um, <laughs> just just to uh, clarify. Yeah, yeah. yeah, clarify. Um, so I came back, uh, moved. I was kind of just outgrown Perth, uh, finished school, and that was the time that I'd made my first um, Youth Australian team. So I was kind of over it. Um, it was at the same time the Western Force got cut, so all our junior pathways got cut in Western Australia. So there was really nothing for me. I was like, well, I'm going to get a full-time job and not pursue anything. And I was like, that's not me. So I outgrew my environment and pretty much packed up my stuff in 2018 by myself and um, moved to Sydney um, where I was grateful to stay with a family in the eastern suburbs. Um, And then from there, um, I was with the Waratahs for three seasons. And, yeah, it was just um, kind of out of nowhere. So I was in the mix with the... um, Aussie seven, so I played a few tournaments for a women's team there and Pacific Games and Oceania Games and then three seasons with the Waratahs and um, a tour with the Australian A with SESI in Fiji. So, yeah, that was just kind of the start of the start of the chapter even before rugby league came into the picture. I love that. And, yes, it was very – It was we had a great time in Fiji, didn't we? Got yeah. over the yeah, cassava by the end of the, the tour. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but <was> – <laughs> You've experienced so much great success, great success um, you know, whether you were in the Sevens jersey for Aussie or the Fifteens jersey for um, Aussie A's. But then I just want to talk about your transition. So you, you're with us for your third season at the Waratahs and then you made yeah. the transition to NRLW. How did that, how did that all come up? Um, I think so. COVID happened and this was like that period where no one knew what was going on, say, this time last year. Oh, actually, probably maybe April last year. And Tiana Penasani, um, grateful for her, actually messaged me in um, February saying, um, oh, come down to Sharks, like if you're keen, sis, you know, there's a spot at our team. And I was like, I just full ignored it. I left Tiana Penasani on red. I feel so bad. <laughs> um, 
anyways, I showed mum like a week later. I was like, oh, look at this. And she's like, do it. And I was like, nah, like I've got my eyes set on 15s. I want a Wallaroos jersey. Like that was my tunnel vision goal. Uh, type yeah. of goal. Yeah. And like we all get caught up. We're like, no, we want this, this only. And um, so COVID happened and we didn't even get to finish our um, final series last year with the Waratahs. Mm-hmm. And borders ended up closing. So uh, me and my brother pretty much was on the last plane to per- uh, back to Perth. And we got stuck there because um, very strict borders and that. So we got stuck there for four, four months. And I think for me that four months was the hardest four months. Um, you know, being back with my family, but it was like a... One of those, like, what do you call it? Like a, an epiphany. <laughs> I was like not wanting to play footy at all. <clears throat> I think it was a really hard reflection of myself. Um, my parents kind of just gave me the hard word. Like, what are you doing? Like, do you even know, like, what's going on? Like, I was just going through some bit of mental health stuff. And I think from there, I came back to Sydney and I just full, like, was off rugby union and I just um, jumped in the deep end, just wanted to, kind of find the love for um or well, anything really um for rugby league and then that kind of just sparked a little uh that love for me again and yeah <laughs> coming back um just to play club rugby because that's what I thought I was playing just club rugby club rugby league for fun well I can't I can't say that I'm disappointed that you made the change over being a leaguey myself so I'm grateful <laughs> that you did but one thing that I've been trying to do is to Convince says to to hop over the league. I just keep dropping little hints about about NRLW. Can you get her? Can you get her across or what? I actually don't know. They've told us we've not allowed anything to do with any of that because of Harvey Norman season. But now that Harvey Norman season is over, we'll see. <laughs> hey, actually, a lot of your girls have messaged me, Sassy. Oh, look! Let's take that one off here. <laughs> Um, You know, it's crazy to talk to, sorry, to listen to how you kind of just found yourself at the Cronulla Sharks based off a DM, but then you ended up having a breakout season. You got recruited by the Roosters and you had a great breakout season again and was named Rookie of the Year. What did that achievement mean to you? Oh my God, like talking through this, freak, I don't give myself enough appreciation. <laughs> um, yes, we're here to gas you uh, up today, Kennedy. <laughs> far out. Um, so, yeah, I played one club game for Harvey Norman. I didn't actually know what Harvey Norman was. I literally thought I was playing social rugby league. Um, and then after the first game against Wenny's, Jamie Feeney, um, the head coach at the time last year, called me up and he's like, oh, I'd like to offer you an RRW contract. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> I was like, sorry. And he's like, yeah, I want you to part of my top 30. And I was just like, oh, my gosh. Like, I play one game and this all happens. And I was just like, mm-hmm. okay. I wasn't even set on, like, anything like Origin or just – I just wanted to, you know, take in the opportunity because I was like, wow, new environment, new me. Let's go. <laughs> and then um, from there, yeah, just was just having fun playing. I think that was a true reflection of my season last year. Um, I was grateful to be named in the Origin – um, squad straight after um, regular season in an RRW, and then it's kind of been a cool ride. So, yeah, very grateful. <laughs> yeah, you, you mentioned being named in the uh, Origin side uh, last year in 2020, and then um, this year uh, you get your chance to play by, by getting your debut uh, up there on the Sunshine Coast, and it was a pretty impressive debut. I'll, I'll, I remember watching you go toe-to-toe with the, most of the middles from the Queensland side. <laughs> a few little running battles going, there, going on there. How was that experience? Um, I think I was really excited because I knew um, I'd 
I was completely different player from last year, um, eight months ago. So I've learned so much in that eight months, and I was confident that the timing was right debuting me this year. I know we didn't get the win, but I was pretty um, pretty happy with how I um, did what I could coming off the bench. And yeah, that Queensland New South Wales rivalry hits different. Like um, that Origin, the game's fast, it's hard, it's a bit wet, but. No, nah, I, I don't like backing down. <laughs> that, they can't bully me. No, that's good. I like that. It was good to watch. <laughs> Speaking about not backing down, you and Ali Brigginshaw had a bit of an incident on field which pulled your hair. What the heck happened there? Um, well, for me, my perspective, um, I was just playing footy. I mean, I've been taught to grapple and slow to play the ball down. I think that's one of my, um, my strengths in the game. I'm good on the ground and I shouldn't like it. <laughs> yeah, I got a bit of a hair pull. <laughs> but... <laughs> I don't know, here's the moment you do some dumb stuff, but I don't know, no comment. <laughs> no, we, um, both Dean and I watched that game and it was such a physical game. It would have been pretty hard to play in those wet conditions, but um, I'm sure New South Wales have some fire in their belly to just to have another crack again next year. Yeah, so it's back here next year, um, back home, and I think um, we've always, this last two years especially, we've had to cop the hard end of the stick. You know, last year we were in quarantine for two weeks, had no family, only yeah. Queensland supporters. This year, all the families got locked out, except my family. <laughs> um, so, so no families um, from all the girls actually couldn't attend. So, um, yeah, it was just another tough one to take in. And obviously, losing my two points in the last minute um, hurt. But next year, yeah, I think we got the staffing right this year, the girls right this year. So, it's just finishing off those little one percenters. Mm. Yeah, well, fingers are crossed for, for a New South Wales win next year for sure. But off the back of uh, the state of origin and, and obviously uh, um, your season with the Cronulla Sharks, you've got yourself a contract with the Parramatta Eels. Must be excited to be uh, <laughs> going to one of the, the clubs that started out in their first season in the NRLW this year. Yeah, so um, it was graphic to be a part of the top 30. Um, it's a central uh, coding system that we've got in play at the moment for the expansion. So, um yeah, really grateful. I wasn't um, actually expecting to be a part of the top 30. It's just a tough decision to make. Obviously, the Roosters was uh, my first club, and I feel like I owed everything to them. They really helped me out with a lot of things other than footy. So it was really, really tough one to make. Um, but I'm really excited for um, Paramount Eels, the girls there, and just putting that um, that Western Sydney type of vibe and bringing it um, it's going to be a different style of footy. So can't wait. I'm really excited to see um, all the teams that are put together um, for each club. But, I mean, you'll be playing alongside some great talent in the likes of Tiana Penatani, Philomena Hinesi, Samaima Taufa. Um, are you excited to play alongside these players? And, I mean, there are a couple of these girls you've played with before as well. Yeah, I play with them, like, in club and alongside um, – like this is probably going to be like a proper a proper season. Like I've played, you know, one-off game Origin here with them, a couple games in a row. But I think with the expansion and um, the twelve round at oh, nine round thing, I think it's going to really develop as players and get to know each other at a different level. So better footy's going to come out. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to ask about the the expansion and having the, the opportunity to play more footy and then um, to go into a final series uh, beyond that. Is that something that um, you, you are looking forward to, just that, that opportunity for the game to keep getting bigger and bigger and trying to get a genuine season, um, like a, a full-length season going? 
Yeah, so last year I don't think we had enough games to actually develop as a team. You know, we had a two-week preseason because of COVID and then I felt like we didn't have enough games to actually progress and see the true potential of the team. So, yeah, this year and even next year with the expansion happening again, um, it's going to be unreal. And, you know, um, even with the women's state of origin, like one game isn't a reflection of how a squad and team players like um, you know, we deserve a series. We deserve a proper, proper comp. So, amen to that. Essential women's rugby league. I love it. Um, before we wrap up, there's something that I do want to touch on, and I guess it was your involvement with the Maori All Stars, where you versed Indigenous All Stars, and you came away with a win. I, I know from personal conversations with you, it was just, um, it was so beautiful for you to be able to connect with people of your culture and your own culture as well. Um, could you just kind of talk us through what it was or what it meant to you to represent um, your heritage? Um, so I get a bit of slack from my family, um, you know, because they've asked whether I want to, in rugby league, want to represent Australia and New Zealand. And for me, Australia is home. So obviously if I choose Australia, um, you know, I can't play for New Zealand. I can't play Origin like, if I was to choose the other side. So I think for me, the All-Stars is like my getaway. So um, everyone I've spoken to representing New Zealand and representing Maori All-Stars is different. Um, you know, being Maori myself, um, I, we were in the week's camp up in Townsville. And I learned so much about myself, so much about my family, so much about our language and just everything. Just, yeah, you just can't explain it, but I just came back refreshed. Honestly, it just felt like a new me. I felt like I was worthy of my, like, even being Maori. I felt worthy of the jersey and um, I think it was the right decision especially the girls who um, want to represent Australia and have that backlash from family, um, not being able to represent, you know, not wanting to represent New Zealand. It's our, our what's, what's the word, like out, well, it's, yeah, it just hits different. <laughs> I love that. And it's such a beautiful note to end on. I just, um, on behalf of Jane and I, Kennedy, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, we wish you all the best with the upcoming NRLW season and, we just know that you are only scratching the surface um, of your sporting career. So from the both of us, all the best. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Very humbled. Aww. That was the Parramatta Eels' newest recruit, Kennedy Charrington. Can't wait to see her go around in the NRLW. You can ask that. Your chance to ask what it's really like to be an elite athlete on Can You Be More Pacific? We're up to our favourite segment of the show called You Can Ask That. Basically, listeners, if you've ever wanted to ask a current or a former athlete anything, this is what this segment is all about. And this week, we have received a question from foxybabe underscore 93. Yes, and the question is, how important is it for players to feel a sense of belonging? Oof, this is heavy. It's heavy. It's, a bigger, it's almost a bigger question than sport, but I think the, the real – one of the key things about being a part of a team is, is to feel um, – like you do belong and to feel connected to everyone that is within that team. That was something that I always valued from the game of rugby league. When I finished uh, playing, the thing that I missed the most was that daily um, turning up and, and doing something that I loved, but doing it alongside a group of people that also loved it. And then feeling like I was contributing to the overall goal, whatever that is to, to win a premiership, to win a game, to, to perform as best as we could. And um, yeah, I certainly felt a sense of belonging in every team that I played in. And it was, um, something that I very I valued quite a bit and it's a thing that I was most grateful for in, in my time playing the game. What do you think of that question, Sarah? 
I think it's is a really important question. I can say with a with a lot of pride that I've been on the side of you know, being a part of a team where I've always felt like I belonged. And I've also witnessed my friends be part of a team that they don't feel like they were included or they had a place to belong. Um, but it's it's hugely important because when you have a strong sense of belonging to the team or the environment that you're in, it makes you want to contribute and it makes you want to turn up. But on the flip side of that, there are players who might not necessarily feel a connection to the team or might feel like they operate on different levels or they might have like cliques and groups that kind of promotes exclusivity and it's not fun for them. And I've definitely seen girls turn themselves um, away from teams or isolate themselves even further because they don't feel like they're being included. So I think to that question, like how important is it for players to feel a sense of belonging? It's hella important. But then I also think it begs a different question. How important is it for players to create a place where others can belong? Yeah. And I think that that is a challenge that is often faced and probably more than we think it does in different sporting teams. It doesn't matter what code. Um, but I, I think it's just, you know, if you feel like you belong, it's also equally important to make sure that everyone else around you does too. There's a, a, an extension I was just thinking about as you're talking there, Sarah, to this question. It's um, belonging for those that aren't actually in the team every week because you can only... Oof, that's huge. You can only put seven, like in rugby league, you only have 17 players playing each week. So in a squad of 30, there's 13 p- players that miss out on getting a game. Every now... Week. Their goal and their effort that they put in throughout a preseason, throughout training each week, doesn't change the fact that they want to play in that 17 every week. So when they don't get that shot, what kind of environment is there that supports them and still makes them feel like they're contributing to the team's performance on a weekend? Um, There's players that are injured as well. So when players get removed from the general population of training, they're in rehab and they're trying to get back on the field because of their injury. Often that's a time when they feel really isolated and like they don't belong because they're not out there contributing. They're not able to play the game. And um, it's it's really important that – and what I've found, it's really important that clubs create cultures where – and teams create cultures where those players feel like they are a part of it every day. So not – taking them away and training them by themselves where they don't see the team or not getting them involved in um, on-field sessions where they can at least watch or um, contribute by offering a perspective on what's happening on the field, that it can really um, make that isolation of being injured even worse. So it's, it's a good question to sort of go past, you know, feeling like you belong to the group, but also feeling like you are there when you're not physically performing each week. I love that you said that because you totally triggered a memory of mine from when I had my first call up to the Wallaroos and we were touring and I wasn't included in the game day 23s. I definitely felt like I didn't belong in the squad or I wasn't worthy of being in the squad because I hadn't, like, and still today I haven't capped. So there are moments that you don't feel like you belong, but it's like the players around you have a huge role um, in making sure that you feel included in all of those things that you just said, being able to contribute to conversations, not training, you know, on the side while you're, you're starting 15 or on the field. So it's a really good question. So, oh, we've got a hand up in the air from Nelly. Hit our sister. I just want to know what is um, a way that you have found to create that sense of belonging within a team? Other than training together, is there anything else that you did together that really cemented that feeling of belonging in the team? You always hear about Bonding sessions. Bonding sessions are not necessarily outdated in mm-hmm. um, footy anymore, but they still they still carry a lot of value in terms of getting to break down some barriers and break the ice more so and get to know people. Involving families is really a good way. I, when I first got to the Bulldogs, when I changed clubs, um, I went with uh, one daughter, my wife, and didn't know. I knew one person there that I'd 
um, known as a, as a youngster, but they made my family feel so welcome. They had family days off. There's a lot of kids in that club and um, my wife felt straight away at home. I felt very at home straight away and um, they just included me and my extended family because they know the importance of that. And I know all the good clubs in, in the NRL in particular, they have a really good way of doing that, bringing players in and saying, hey, we want to get to know your wife, your partner, your kids, whoever it is, your, your mum and your dad. Um, they go to that extra effort to make that the case. Mm. Just adding to that, something that we do at the Waratahs is at the beginning of each year, we pretty much go in a circle and, you know, all crying by the end of it. Um, but basically we get to talk about like our journey to date. And I think that creates a, a stronger sense of connection to each other because we can see where everyone's coming out or what they're walking into the squad with. Um, so that's really cool. And I really respect um, that ritual that we have that's been driven by a leadership group. But another one outside of that is at dinner time, we're not allowed to have phones. And it's like your responsibility to go and sit with someone that you don't necessarily interact with. So... As a forward, I interact a lot with the other forwards, but when we go in for dinner time at Waratahs, it's no phones, go find someone else, ask them how their day is and don't settle for, I was good. Like find out why it was good. So there are small things, they're one percenters, but, and it doesn't cost you anything other than effort. So people shouldn't feel excluded because, you know, it's, it's also, it's, and I want to make it clear, it's, it's twofold. You need to put yourself out there to be included because, you know, sometimes people are shy, um, but just like take a step forward and, you know, people will will respect that and, and, and be drawn towards you too. So thank you so much, Foxy Babe um, 93, for your question. Um, definitely got us thinking, and I think it was a very stimulating conversation. Very much so. If you have a question yourself, you can send it to ABC Sport on Instagram or slide into our DMs at Serenangama or at Dean Hullitow also on Instagram. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. Oh my God. Woo! You're with Sarah and Dean on Can You Be More Pacific. Don't go anywhere, we've still got lots coming up. Yes, we've still got a chat with Wanga Blake. Uh, we've got a report on the ground from Peter Pasol in Papua New Guinea, and we've got a Christmas track. This is Peter Pasol reporting for Can You Be More Pacific? I'm here today with Paul Siwi the newly elected president of the PNG Rugby Union. Uh, welcome to the show, Paul. Please tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, how you got elected last month. Uh, thank you, Mr. Pusal. Uh, I started rugby in at university in uh, 1996 with a team called Grounds. The Grounds lasted 15 years at the university. We moved on to Port Mosby. We started in 2019 under the NCD Rugby Union. And we've been there for the last three years playing in the local competition. When the last AGM came up, they nominated me. I accepted the nomination, went to the election, and on September the 25th, we voted in as the president. You were voted in uh, with a majority of uh, 14 out of 18 votes? Uh, yeah, 14 out of votes. 18 votes, uh, one abstained. Well, that's a, that's a big vote of confidence, mm-hmm. and also I think it's, it shows that the union wants to move forward and uh, have some change and, and some positive uh, progress. Uh, just tell us what your plans are over your three-year term. What do you hope to uh, to accomplish? Uh, we have about 19 provincial unions. They were not registered to PNG Rugby. As as far as uh, Oceania Rugby is concerned, they were not registered, so we had to do the registrations before the AGM. So we did that, and they got registered before they, they got accepted as member, member, member unions. Uh, so were they fully compliant? They were, they were fully compliant. We made sure they were fully compliant. Rugby is a highly organized game. So we had to meet those uh, requirements. 
And the provincial unions, when they voted us, they wanted specific things. You know, like provincial unions are never supported by PLD rugby. Never. They were never. Terms of funding. In no terms funding. Of they, they training anything else. Well, they support them through training and uh, education, but no funding. And yet, PLD Rugby expects them to come forth with the goodies, the, the player base. Right. So the talent base. Too. Yeah, the talent base, yeah. yeah. So that we want to change. In the course of our term, we want to fund professional unions. How, how would you go about doing that? Uh, we, we fund them through, like, uh, increase the training. We, we increase uh, the, the training drive. We have to get the technical officials qualified through, through the processes. Referees, yeah. coaches, yes. trainers. That we have to do. And we have to do more of it. For those who are on whatever levels, we have to upskill them to the next level. Uh, and for the officials, like uh, what we want to do is we want to take out the volunteerism in rugby. We used to have volunteers running rugby before. Yes. That needs to stop. You want to actually employ people? We have to. Pay them? We have to. Okay. Because they are the frontline people who run this game. They have to have some allowances paid so they can turn up at the field on time and, and adjudicate at the game. Yes. So those things we want to do. We want to fund uh, the professional unions. We want to uh, look after the, the match officials and uh, upskill the coaches, the trainers, everybody at the professional level so that when they come up, they provide the, the player base we need for the national teams. All right. Now, we've, we've had a lot of sevens rugby being played over the last two, three years. Uh, but 15s also has a role to play in this country. I mean, isn't that the base of rugby union? Shouldn't that be the place where... Uh, PNG Rugby is uh, looking to develop? Yes, uh, we have to regulate the game, meaning that we can play sevens, but those sevens must come out of 15s competition. We have to run 15s first, and then the sevens must come out of a club, a 15s right. club, and, and, and like that. But, but next year, we plan to run a full, like a citywide or like a in the city sevens, full on. We've been, we've been discussing for some time now. We expect to find the biggest and the tallest Papua New Guineans. Size matters. Size, size matters, according to us. We need to find them in Daru, in Kerama, in the CPIC, the, the NGI. We need to bring them out. The Western Islands, the Eastern Islands, we need to bring them out. Okay. Now, those are all grand plans, and ultimately the goal is to produce not just well-run competitions and to increase the player base. But at, right at the top of the pyramid, you want to produce a competitive uh, international rugby team, the Pukpuks, whether it's sevens or fifteens, uh, and also the, the women's team. Um, you're going to need sponsorship. You're going to need yes. funding. Where are you planning to get that funding? And I heard that you, you have some support from some uh, senior politicians. Uh, I hear the governor of the Port Mosby or NCD is, uh, has expressed his interest to help rugby. Please tell us a little bit about the that side of, uh, of your executive uh, management or your tenure as president? During the days here, we, we nominated our patron for PNG Rugby, which, who is uh, the governor for NCD, uh, Honorable Paul Spakop. And I didn't know that he was discussing rugby. Suddenly, when he became the patron, we have already, like, secured the stadium, the best in the Pacific, the Seyewit Mare Stadium. It's going to be the home of rugby for the next three years or six years. And we, we're also talking to corporate sponsors. We also thank the member for Mosby South who's come on board because the stadium is in his electorate. They are putting together plans, so we are planning to host uh, Pacific Games, uh, the Oceania 7s and Oceania 15s, the Tier 3 Nations uh, Rugby for 7 15. We're planning to host them here in the city.
we are we are hoping to uh, bring visitors into Port Moresby. Hopefully that will be when uh, COVID-19 restrictions are relaxed and we get over this uh, this virus that's been Im- impacting not just us, not just the region, but the entire world. Um, but finally, um, Mr. Siwi, on your presidency, congratulations. Uh, what would you like to tell um, the listeners out there, the not just in PNG, but the region about PNG rugby? What can they expect from PNG rugby over the next course of the, your, your term and, and beyond? Uh, thank you. We... we in our strategic plan, I make this stand that we have to declassify rugby. Rugby is no longer a privileged sport played by a few. Rugby must be made accessible by everybody in this country. So we want to bring rugby to every province. Every province in this country must kick the rugby ball. And I believe in those far ends of this country, we'll find the best players who will make the Pop team. And when we do that, of course, uh, our international, like our opponents in the mm. Pacific, they will see that we are a new team. We are no longer the old rugby. We are, we, are, we are a new rugby team. We're going to come, come firing. Because not only we will have the player base, but we will also have the sponsorship. We'll have the funding. And we'll have the training facility, everything to support our, 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 our elite players. We also provide them the, the high-performance training. We'll put them on wages. We'll look after them. Because they represent us at the national level, at the, at the international level. So that, that, those are some of our plans. All right, thank you, Mr. Siwi, for your time on Can You Be More Pacific? We appreciate it, and we wish you all the best in the future. Can You Be More Pacific? With Sarah and Dean on ABC Radio Australia. You're with Sarah and Dean as we look back at some of the best moments of 2021 on Can You Be More Pacific? How good was this chat? So joining us on Talanoa Time today, we have Wonga Blake uh, from the Parramatta Eels, centre slash winger, mostly centre. He's 26 years old, born in Fiji and has represented Fiji at the international level. Uh, He's super fast, he's very elusive, scores plenty of tries and he's an all-around good guy. Thanks for joining us, Wonga. Thanks for having me. Wanga, I want you to take us back to the very beginning. Where did your rugby league career begin? Um, my rugby league uh, career began when I moved from Fiji. Um, also, I was born and raised in Fiji until the age of nine. Uh, moved to Sydney. Uh, and then uh, the first club I played for, I was nine years old, um, was Brighton Seagulls. So that's where it all started for me. Did you grow up playing any other sports other than rugby league? Um, what, what else did I play? I played a bit of union. But I was mainly just brought up playing league and then, yeah, I grew up a bit, also playing a bit of basketball. But that was just a bit of fun in school and, yeah, that's about it. Do you remember much about life in Fiji before you made the um, the switch over here to Oz? Yeah, yeah, no, it was um, – I grew up with my grandparents. Um, mum was over here, single mum, just working every day to try to get me and my, my older brother over to, to Australia. So that was a bit difficult. But once that happened um, – yeah, it was all good. But, yeah, my, my grandparents uh, pretty much uh, raised me up until the age of nine. And, um, yeah, li- living in Fiji was really fun. It was very laid back. It was a lot different to what we have over here. So once we got over here, yeah, we are just very blessed and fortunate fortunate to have all we had. And, um, yeah, it was a really good life being being here compared to Fiji. 
Love hearing about the early experiences in your life. Just turning the dial back a little bit, um, when you debuted for the Penrith Panthers, that no doubt would have been a huge moment for you, especially considering your journey up to date coming to Australia. Obviously, mum working really hard to get you and the brother over here. How special was it to secure your first professional contract and share that news with your family? Yeah, no, it was massive. I was uh, very blessed to to get that debut um, very early in my career as well. Um, Especially, still having my my uh, my main thing was having my uh, grandfather still here to be there for my debut, and you know uh, having all the family come over because they 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 all live in Perth at the moment, and um, yeah, just to have them all over there, and when I told them about the news and all that, they were all wrapped, and yeah, they were just very very happy that you know a young young kid from uh, born and raised in Fiji was able to come to Sydney and then head to Perth and then move back to Sydney by himself and then. Yeah, just be able to get that opportunity yeah, was was a big highlight in my life. Now, fast forward, and, and as Sarah said, you debuted with the Penrith Panthers, and no doubt you enjoyed your time there, but you also have now played and you are playing for another Western Sydney team in Paramount Eels. You made a, a mid-season switch. Can you tell us a little bit about um, what that was like to, to change teams midway through a season and, and how you adjusted to that? Yeah, so um, 2019, um, uh, yeah, Penrith, sorry, uh, did my MCL. Yeah, made the switch over. I was still sort of a bit injured. I was a bit nervous at the time. And, yeah, Penrith were a very great club. They are very good to me and, you know, had a lot of good friends there. Still do now. Um, but, yeah, uh, making the switch to Parramatta, very nervous. But once I got over, I was loved it. Loved it ever since and right up until now. Um, made a lot of good friends, you know. And now I'm just, you know, fun, just enjoying my footy. And, yeah, the club's been very good to me and, yeah, now, one thing I do know about Parramatta is that there's uh, there's quite a good mix of culture in the club, and uh, one of your well-being managers, George Danzi, who is uh, good man, he's a very good man, and and he's got his finger on the pulse in terms of trying to get all the boys together. Can you explain to our listeners what it's like at Parramatta in terms of culture? No, it's massive. We we have a good mix, uh, you know, Islanders, even just um, Aussies, and just just good mix of uh, just um, everything. Um, and we're, we're all pretty close here. And, um, yeah, Georgia, Georgia drives that a lot too. He, you know, he gets us all hanging out together. And we're very close here. And, yeah, just a bond. Um, I think it shows on the field as well. No, not only off the field, but on the field. Both Dan and I always love to ask this question to athletes that we interview. And do you have a game day ritual? Just keen to know, what does Wonga Blake do come game day? Game day. Oh, very, very chilled, to be honest. Get up. I uh, have brekkie. Depends what time we play. So I try to get a, a nap in whenever I can. Most probably after lunch. But other than that, I try not to leave my room, to be honest, and just chill right up until the game, until I'm ready to go. All right. Our last, ple- uh, our last question, I should say, to you is, do you have one piece of advice you'd give your 10-year-old self? 10-year-old self. It was, uh, only, it was only a year after you got here to Australia, so <laughs> there's a little uh, reference point. I don't know. Because, uh, you know, when I was 10 years old and I was just happy to be here and enjoy life, uh, especially moving over from Fiji, I was very fortunate. So, yeah, I can't really say anything, to be honest, because when I was 10, I was enjoying, I was living my best life. So, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. That's fabulous. Yeah. Uh, Wonga, before we wrap up your interview, we love to do a thing with um, our guest, which is basically a segment called Tip Ons. It's a 60 second question and it's meant to be fun and lighthearted. Basically, I ask you a series of rapid fire questions and they just want you to say the first thing that comes to mind. Sound good? Yeah. Sweet. All right. The clock is on. 
What have you been reading, watching, or listening to lately? Uh, music, a lot of uh, hip hop. <laughs> what was your first concert? Concert? Yes. Concept or concert? Concert. Music concert. Concert. Uh, field day. Who is the most annoying teammate? Uh, Bryce Carrick. Who is your sporting hero? Israel Folau and LeBron James. What's your go-to karaoke song? Uh, Country Roads. <laughs> is that Scale of 1 to 10, how good are you at keeping secrets? 10. Is that the highest? Is that the- yeah, yeah, that's, that's highest. highest. Yeah, what, yeah. Was your favorite- <laughs> what was your favourite movie as a kid? Uh, Longest Yard. What's something you could eat for a week straight? Pizza. Favourite place you've travelled to? Sorry, say it again. Favourite place you've travelled to? I haven't left Australia, so uh, Perth. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we get back to Fiji? <laughs> oh, Fiji, yes. Yeah, oh, right. And New Zealand. You would have travelled to New Zealand for yeah, footy at least. Yeah, that's only footy though. <laughs> yeah, it's only an overnight stay, right? So you just drop in, yeah. play the game and get yeah. out. Yeah, It's just business. You just go there, get the job done and come back. True professional. True professional. <laughs> Well, Wonga, we just want to say thank you so much for joining us on Can You Be More Pacific? It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. We wish you all the best. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. That was Parramatta Eels Centre, Wonga Blake. ABC Radio Australia. Your home of Sarah and Dean. Well, that's all we have time for. On behalf of Dean and I, we just want to wish all of our wonderful listeners a very, very Merry Christmas. Yeah, and if you want to listen to The Magic again, you can check it out wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back next week with more of our favourite moments of 2021. Well there. Adolakia. Can You Be More Pacific? An ABC sport production for ABC Radio Australia. This program has been funded by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade.